Hello again. This was a bit of a weird one to find myself doing. I don't know about you, but for me, I must have seen in the list of English First Division winners through history that someone had won the 1914-1915 season, but I can't believe I never twigged that this was a season of professional football that went on during the First World War. How have I never wondered about what people thought of that before? Anyway, a shout out to the things I used for this episode. Matthew Taylor's book, The Association Game, A History of British Football, is something that I was able to access some of online, and maybe I should just buy it eventually because I could do with some basic football history reference book. And Taylor's work has popped up in this episode as well as the third podcast next week, so he seems like a good person to read. A lot of the detail in this episode was taken from or corroborated with different sources, but for the general history and some aspects I briefly touched on, like amateur sports being able to cancel their seasons quickly, this came from the association game. For attendance data in this episode, I got it from EnglishFootballLeagueTables.co.uk's blog, which seems like a niche and dedicated enough source for this information to be broadly reliable, even though it wasn't kind of tables or anything like that. There were two really key academic articles I read for this episode as well. Colin Veitch's Play Up, Play Up and Win the War, Football, the Nation and the First World War, 1914-15, and Brandon Lutka's Playing Fields and Battlefields, the Football Pitch, England and the First World War. These were really important for the information about attitudes to the FA continuing their season in 1914-15, and some of the work that football clubs did to try and help the war effort and recruitment. There was also some information about the football battalions that I got from the PFA's website. The Chelsea FC Chronicle quote in the episode about this condemnation of football being a class war came from an article by Asaf Mond, Chelsea Football Club and the Fight for Professional Football in First World War London, which was really interesting and I'm going to come back to the Chronicle because it had something else in it that didn't really fit into the narrative of the show, but it's really worth mentioning anyway. For the Manchester United-Liverpool match-fixing and Arsenal-Spurs promotion contest, background came from Taylor's The Association Game, a 442 article from 2015 by John Sperling, and a Sky Sports article from 2018 called How Arsenal Were Voted Into the Top Flight Over Tottenham in 1919. And with that scandal and the Leeds City scandal, which I again originally got from Matthew Taylor's book, I checked the British newspaper archive for what was being written at the time, which helped piece together a nice timeline for both stories. The background on the Amateur Football Association came from Richard Mill's article, An Exception in War and Peace, Ipswich Town Football Club, circa 1907-1945. Ipswich Town were, as it happened, one of the teams who joined the AFA, which I never knew, uh, mainly because I never knew that the Amateur Football Association even existed. On the things I wish I'd had the chance to read section, there are two main things. The The overall main one is an article in the University of Victoria in Canada's Graduate Review. The Pitch of Public Opinion, Debating Professional Football's Place in Wartime Britain, 1914-1915, by Bart Lefeso. This whole episode for this week was inspired by learning, while researching the first episode on the 1921 ban on women's football, that the FA had taken criticism for the 1914-15 season going ahead. It just seemed fascinating, and going by the title of Lefeso's article, it sounds like exactly the kind of thing that I wanted to read, but sadly the link online that I found didn't work while I was researching the episode. 
in writing my notes for this bonus pod, I've gone back and checked and the link does work, but I've already recorded the main episode and I'm and I'm just going to chalk this one up as, well, you've got to stop your research somewhere, so I'll just have to accept it. I'm sure it's great and I'll kick myself for not checking the link again sooner, but this is the way the world turns. Also, thinking about it, if I'd been able to read it, I'd have probably had enough material and guidance to find more material about the 1914-15 season alone, and never gone down the avenues of the Manchester United-Liverpool match-fixing and Leeds City demise. The episode loses a bit of structure because of this, I think, but I think those two stories are so good that telling them is its an okay consolation prize. The other thing that I wish I'd been able to read was on the Leeds City scandal, an article by Jay Arnold, Not Playing the Game, Leeds City in the Great War. In a similar way to Lefeso's article, it sounds like it's a piece of academic work focused on a topic I was really interested in, but I just couldn't find a freely available copy online. Something slightly different, it's been a while since I did the research for this episode and I only took note of the names of things I actually read and took notes on, but I stumbled on a bit of a scholarly debate about the respective influences of public schoolboys and the working class in the early development of association football. Saying that out loud, that's an incredibly niche topic for there to be a scholarly debate about, but that's that's history. One side thought the working class were more influential than they'd previously been given credit for, the other side disagreed. It seemed like it got quite contentious between the two disagreeing groups, which I guess that's academics for you. And finally, things I wish I'd had the chance to develop, or things I researched and didn't mention. I feel like the topic of the response to the 1914-15 season deserves a more thorough class analysis than I was able to give. Mine's pretty surface level and is picked up from what I gleaned in the things I read, which were about football rather than about class specifically, and I think that knowing about class specifically would have informed the discussion around the football better. Not that I think I've got anything wrong, but it's something which could have really added to the episode that I was lacking. This isn't the first and won't be the last time that I kind of gloss over something in the podcast though. I'm of the view for this that if I can't give good information, then it's better to work the narrative of the podcast in a way that means I can give quite shallow basic information, but stuff that's correct. That said, I think it's fair to say that professional football's working class base, the middle or upper class sensibilities of some of the press, and upper class amateurism were all in the melting pot. But I can only do so much work, and doing all of the work to dissect these class relationships properly would have been a very time-consuming rabbit hole to go down. And I've also really liked to look into the discussions around the football that was played in 1915 to 1918. Apparently, according to Taylor's The Association Game, some clubs chose not to take part in these regional competitions for logistical or moral reasons, so I assumed that there was still chatter in the papers about it, but the way that the episode was going, I, I just didn't decide to go down that route. As for amusing things I wish I could have worked into the episode properly, as part of the whole let military use the grounds thing, Manchester City offered their Hyde Road pitch as stabling for 300 horses, which is pretty funny. Also interesting to note in the present day, because in England FA Cup finals are so synonymous with Wembley, 
but the FA Cup final in April 1915 was played at Old Trafford because Crystal Palace, which back then was the usual home of it, was busy with war efforts. Finally, I'm coming back to the Chelsea FC Chronicle because it's really weird to see kind of footballing and satirical cartoons that were made during a war. A few of them are reproduced in Asaf Mon's article and you've got one of the Chelsea pensioner alone and wounded on an island with an Oldham athletic zeppelin flying overhead. You've got one of the Chelsea pensioner marching in uniform behind an anthropomorphic Tottenham Hotspur cockerel with the caption, the Metropolitan Allies advance slowly. And although this one isn't reprinted in the article, Mond writes about one that was a direct attack on the Lord Northcliffe papers that were leading the condemnation of professional footballers. I'll just copy out a paragraph of what Mond says about it for you. In this cartoon, the Times, Daily Mail and Evening News, collectively named the Mudslingers, are depicted as humans, with angry faces and angels' halos above their heads. The ground on which they are standing is called misrepresentation and scandal, and they are hurling mud at the terrified personification of professional football. The mud represents the accusations which were used to slander football. Coward, shirker, slacker and hindering recruitment. I've seen exhibits at museums before of historical satire, but I've never really engaged with them that much. I think maybe it's difficult to get excited about it unless you really know the context of the time to kind of understand the satire. But knowing the context of these, they're pretty funny. Maybe not riotously so, but I think they feel a bit funnier because of the work you have to do in the present day to really get the joke. 